Welcome to the Wealth Management Unfiltered podcast. This is episode four. Uh, it's been such an exciting time and opportunity uh, to talk about wealth management. Uh, I'm joined again uh, by Denny Runkle. Uh, he is a partner and owner uh, and advisor at Wealth Management Accounting. And now we have a new guest uh, to the podcast, Greg Reynolds. Uh, he is the president and senior financial advisor at Reynolds Wealth Management, uh, very well regarded and known uh, in the space and especially in the community. And we're just glad to have you here, Greg. Thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. And so today uh, we're talking about the challenge of wealth building. In in previous podcasts, we covered you know not having the right team, not having the right plan, not having enough time. And all those topics were covered in this previous podcast. If you want to uh, watch or, or listen to those, I, I recommend you subscribe uh, and, and listen to those because it's it's a really good uh, foundation to what we're going to talk about today. And specifically today, we're going to talk about the challenge of being swayed by popular media and all of these mainstream, quote unquote, mainstream investing opportunities. We hear so much noise. I guess the real problem is there's a lot of noise. And my uncles tell me to do this. Fox Business and CNBC tell me to do that. I see someone on the local news tell me to do another thing. Others have a radio show. There's just so much noise. And sure, some of it may work, but I don't know if it works. That's what we're going to talk about today. But before we do that, Greg, can you just give us a little bit of a story or your story and your background on why you're in this business? Thanks again for having me, Justin. I appreciate it. Uh, it's nice to be here today. Um, so we're, we're really in this business to help individuals, families, and business owners to reach their financial goals, right? I mean, that's, that, that is our primary objective. We have a passion for that. Uh, and, and we do that in conjunction with working with our partners and teammates uh, across the spectrum uh, of, of different entities. Yeah. And and speaking to that, Denny, how long have you known Greg? I think it's a little over 22 years. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right on. Yeah. And, and Greg, you mentioned partners. So talk about maybe the relationship briefly on, uh, you know, how you're connected with Denny and, and, and wealth management accounting. Sure. So uh, we're, we're, we're separate entities. Um, we, we have no common connection in terms of uh, the, there's no ownership uh, interests uh, that are exchanged. There's no compensation structure uh, that exists between our firms. Uh, we're solely independent entities that collaborate together. We work together uh, for the common good of our mutual clients. Absolutely. And I think it's what's really cool about that. And we talk about having the wealth management accounting team. It's a, it's a cohesive team and that includes CPAs, that includes advisors, that includes, you know, tax lawyer and, and pro docs. And we, we mentioned that we collaborate and work with Reynolds Wealth Management because that's such a integral part of having a cohesive plan for all-inclusive wealth management. Danny, can you talk about what that relationship has looked like for wealth management accounting clients? Yes, it, it, it is so important because obviously you get to know both Greg and his team well, being 
working together 22 years. <laughs> Not that it requires 22 years because it's been, it was soon in, I, I think three, four years in our relationship that we really started cohesively being a benefit for each client. In other words, Greg's team and our team knew what the client's goals were and we worked together to help them accomplish those goals and dreams quicker than not having the relationship. So once, um, and I, and I have to be honest, I'm, I give Greg a pretty hard time. I mean, I, I got a tune, different tune I'm marching to Greg, and I'm not sure your team can function with my team. Cause I think ultimately we have different goals and, he said, why do you think that? And give me a chance. So it kind of, kind of went that way because this was early in Greg's career. And he really did bring a different flavor, a different perspective, which was he actually cared about the client. And my team picked that up. His team knows that the client ultimately, their success, their happiness is our future. It was never about who made the most money or am I getting my piece of the pie Greg has so many times stepped in and helped the client when he had no financial incentive. Men want us. And I think he feels we would do the same. Ultimately, we believe that if you're helping the client achieve their dreams, regardless of what we make, that they will be our best advertisement. And that has happened <laughs> through the years. So I don't know if, uh, oops, I keep smacking my microphone. I don't know what Greg's perspective, because We've never really been asked that question, have we, Greg? I don't, this may be the first. Well, I mean, I think we've talked about it occasionally. But, I, I mean, Justin, I will say, you know, 22 years ago when I met Denny uh, in, in his organization and his team, uh, you know, I, initially we were probably viewing them as competitors, and they probably looked at us that exact same way. Um, but it didn't take long uh, for, for us to realize that, they were doing something different. Um, they were doing something special and uh, they were having a real outsized impact on a handful of clients that we mutually worked, that we mutually had together. So um, we, we weren't collaborating initially, uh, but uh, like I said, it didn't take long for us to realize that, that they did things differently, that they were making an outsized impact on clients that we also happened to know um, and uh, we wanted we wanted to find a way to work with them. We wanted to figure out how to be part of that team. Uh, and so that's where where the collaboration eventually kind of came together. It did take a little convincing. Uh, Denny it was not necessarily on board uh, from day one. And again, I, I think that he thought that we were going to approach, these relationships the way every other advisor uh, that he had run into in, in the past had, which is, it's a land grab, right? How many, you, you let somebody in the door and all they wanna do is figure out how they can, you know, convince the client to give them control of, of all of the assets. And, um, and we've never had that approach in, in this relationship, quite frankly. Um, you know, our approach has always been, Let's do what's best for the client every single time. Always what's best for the client. And if that means all of the assets end up on, it, 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 on Denny's side, then that's great. If all of the assets end up on our side, that's fine too. Almost always though, there's some 
sort of blend there. It's it's extraordinarily rare that it's all one or all the other. Uh, but even in those cases, uh, it's our best effort every single time because we want that client outcome uh, to be uh, you know, optimized. And so uh, that's the approach that we've taken really from day one of the collaboratization of these organizations. Um, and it's certainly uh, even more reinforced today than it ever has been before. Yeah, that's fantastic. And we're going to have more podcasts with you, Greg, and we can dive even deeper on, you know, what that looks like and, and some of those scenarios where uh, there is that collaboration. Right. And and in the end, I think we're like minded and, and there's that sort of that culture fit of, hey, we're all for the customer. And if they win, we win. Right. The pie is bigger. It's not the land grab. The pie is bigger. And that's that's the beauty of of this relationship. Let me mention one other thing, because we've talked about the importance of the teamwork communication among the different professions, the accounting, the legal, the, and, and the market expertise that Greg and his team bring to our planning is invaluable. There is no way to minimize or I, I just think that's missing on most planners you realize how impossible it is for one planner to do all this. The fact that our teams talk daily is really important that we do have the communication. We feel we can call Greg's office anytime. And you have to understand that our clients are giving the authorization for us to communicate. That's important. We, we explain this to the clients. They're giving full authorization for Greg's team to talk to our team. We will talk to them, the client, many times has no idea that we need to talk to Greg, his team needs to talk to our accountants, hey, the client asked for distribution, want to make sure it didn't cause an adverse tax liability. It's on and on. Clients have no idea what that communication and working together benefits them. And I wish we had a way to really show the benefit and how it helps them create wealth is that collaboration. Right. That's fantastic. And, and you spoke on Denny, that collaboration. And also because we're a team, we can keep up with market trends and keep up with whether it's a tax code or the expertise needed in, in the marketplace. And I want to get into that a little bit, Greg. Today, we're talking about why mainstream, quote unquote, mainstream opportunities are potentially not effective. But I think for people watching this, what, what would you consider a mainstream opportunity? Or investment well, strategy. I mean, mainstream opportunities generally consist of you know somebody spouting off investment advice about you know <laughs> modern portfolio theory or some common investment allocation, a, a 60-40 stock bond ratio, something along those lines. But mainstream is 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 quite simply that, right? It, it is the conventional wisdom on Wall Street that virtually all portfolios should be created in a somewhat similar fashion. And you know, while age and risk tolerance do provide some differentiation there, it is always a combination of cash, alternatives, stocks, and bonds, right? I mean, at the end of the day, uh, Wall Street still has that common view that that is, it, it is the, the dominant and predominant way uh, to to build and, and create portfolios. And I watch, you know, for my age, I think I watch more news than 
<laughs> my peers. Uh, and sometimes it's on cable. Other times it's on Twitter or even places like TikTok, uh, which is an interesting place to listen to financial advisors. I, I hear all this noise, right? And I've heard the 60-40. I've heard the, oh, I got to obviously diversify. Um, why doesn't that work? Well, I mean, it, it can work to some extent. But it's not necessarily ideal for each individual client construct, right? I mean, uh, a 60-40 ratio is probably better than nothing, right? I mean, that's uh, I would argue that if your money's under the mattress, um, you know, I, I'd rather be at 60-40 than, than, you know, a, a can of cash buried in the backyard. Um, but that being said, it's not optimized. It's not custom built for each individual client. And that's really where you know, we start to stand out, right? We're building unique custom portfolios for each individual client, given their individual needs, time horizon, and risk tolerance. Um, and it's all being done in the lens of tax planning as well, right? So, um, so that is uniquely different than what most clients are getting in the marketplace today. Denny, can you speak to the what Greg just mentioned? It's in the lens of tax planning. What 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 do you mean by what what's that mean? We talk in terms of net all fees and all taxes. Your gain is measured by what the brokerage fees are, what the tax liability may reduce it, and what you have left over. We don't see that done very often. So when you look at the tax lens, if all of a sudden you're maxing out your bracket because Greg sends a client, uh, you know, wow, I did great. I'm locking in this gain and I'm sending it to you without thinking of that you just boosted the tax liability for the client. It diminishes the yield. But nobody even thinks of that way. The, the, the broker isn't responsible for tax planning. He's not responsible to know what your CPA is doing. I mean, and that is a valid concern, but we think it's a huge negative for the client. Uh, a perfect example is I've had several clients that I just mentioned this, that, you know, when you need money, it goes through a process with our team. You would call Greg or you call me and we look at all your portfolio, where to take it out. And they go, well, why would we do that? And I will always say this, have you ever had a time you wanted to go on vacation, you took out 20, 30,000 in July and then found out all of a sudden you owed 5,000 in April the next year because the tax liability wasn't taken? Oh yeah, all the time. You guys can help with that? I mean, they get all excited, you're kidding me. Absolutely. We have the ability to get you a request for some funds that are tax efficient. And they go, what are you talking about? Tax efficient. I mean, we might send you $10,000 or $20,000, as we used the example, and five of it's taxable. Well, how in the world would you do that? That's something we do every day. People don't understand. There's a return of capital. There's a lot of issues. Or we, or we might even say, hey, we, we have a loss over here, uh, carry forward loss from your corporation. We're going to apply that right now. And Greg is going to take advantage of that carry forward loss to that we need because we might not be able to take it this year. That's a different conversation than anybody else ever has when they ask for a distribution. And I think that's what you were referring to, 
Greg, or did I go off on another tangent? <laughs> no, that uh, I mean that's certainly part of it. It's it's just it, it's it's much more holistic, right? We're not just looking at you know how to generate you know the most return with the least amount of risk uh, through the lens of only capital management strategies, right? We're looking at it in conjunction with the planning, in conjunction with asset protection, in conjunction with the tax team, so that we can create the most efficient outcome for each individual client. Uh, whether that's minimizing a tax bracket, whether that's making sure that the planning stays intact from an asset protection or a state planning standpoint, whether that in some cases is uh, looking at how we might uh, work to efficiently increase tax liability in some cases to prevent future large tax bills down the road, right? It's routine exactly. that we'll hear from Denny uh, and his team. Hey, Greg, we need you to take out $38,000 from this client XYZ's IRA because they can still do that and be in the 15% effective tax rate. And we're trying to get that money out at a lower rate because if we wait down the road and those RMDs start kicking in and those clients forced to take these massively large distributions from their retirement account, they're going to pay 25% tax on it, right? So um, it's not through one single lens of tax planning. It's this really holistic approach to finding the most efficient outcome in each individual client circumstance. The foresight, I mean, just in the three or four things you said there, you're not hearing that. Uh, you're not hearing that from the pundits. You're also not hearing that from the average advisor, if I'm being frank. And we're not here to, you know, we're not here to bash the industry or anything like that. But I just don't think it's known or, or people are thinking this way, this holistic way of thinking. Yeah. So, Greg, um, we talked about the challenges of, of mainstream opportunities. Can you give us, and you mentioned the difference is a customized holistic approach. Uh, where it's not a one size fits all, but what does your what does your process look like if you're working with a new client, for example? Uh, what does that process look like, and how is it different than than, than others? Well, uh, again, e each client's circumstance is unique on its own. But as we as we onboard or begin to work with a new client, our first objective is to kind of get the lay of the land, right? We want to see where all the assets are. We want to see how it's currently put together. Um, so we'll do a, a, a layout um, and it, it's called a preliminary investment strategy, right? So Denny's team will work to, to gather up all of those assets and really start to understand where it all is and how it all is put together. A risk ratio will ultimately be assigned to a client after a series of meetings or conversations. And then that gets applied to that preliminary investment strategy. So at the end of the day, what we end up with is this very detailed workup that shows you know every asset that the client owns, whether it's on the risk side or the safe side of the equation. And then ultimately, what is the client's goal, right? What is the target? How much safe money versus at risk money is the client trying to, to get to? And, and that's where then my job comes in, right? Because my job starts to then become kind of the quarterback uh, initially of that process, right? I've got to gather all of these assets. They're generally all over the place. Um, you know, different firms, different brokerages, different banks, et cetera, uh, different retirement plans, old 401ks. So my job becomes, you know, to kind of get all of those assets gathered up, um, to work with the client, to do that as efficiently as possible, 
then to begin the implementation of the proposal that's been ultimately vetted and agreed on by the client and all the other team members and so forth. So we've got to get money over here to this contract that Denny's doing. We've got to get money over here to an insurance policy uh, that Chris has put together. We've got to, you know, move money into a new entity. It's got to go into the family LLC or the charitable remainder trust or whatever is being done to help protect assets and mitigate taxes. My job is to get all of that money into those right places. Once that's done, then we focus on, you know, the capital management strategy for the risk part of the equation uh, that will remain potentially here at Reynolds Wealth Management. It's likely in an entity, it's in an LLC, it's in a CRT, it's, it's in something. Uh, it's not generally just in the client's individual name based on the overall planning process, but then we engage directly from an equity management standpoint. We handle the cash management strategies and the risk side of the equation uh, for, for most of the clients uh, that, that we interact with. It sounds like there's a lot of moving parts. And in, in one sense, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's, there's so many things that are done Denny, how do we keep it all together as a team? Like we've been doing this for decades. We have a big team, but how do we how do we manage this process? Because I'm 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 bought in on this process, but how do you how do you keep up with it? Well, so even though I'm an old fart, I'm like a kid still. <laughs> love technology, and there's nothing out there available technology from computers to software or anything that we haven't engaged for years, if not decades. So we have a very good client management program. And then I've been so blessed with, I think, one of the best teams there are on my, you know, the people that have believe in, know the vision, and really, really are interested, just like Greg has illustrated very well, the client's ability to us to make them happy is the number one concern on all the teams, knowing that they are our resource, they are their warm referral is our future. If we make that client happy, they will talk a lot about how great a job we've done. And every single client, our duty is and goal. And I, I mean, when you sense how much our team cares about that client, and there we have processes everywhere. We have double checks. In other words, Greg's team will do something. He'll check with the CPA. The CPA will check with the wealth management side. This is almost seamlessly. And we are tracking that both on, I think we have the best information protection out there. We are so conscious of the importance of the client's information we have and the protection of it. We go to great lengths um, on every level. I don't know if clients, uh, we mentioned this, but I don't know any other firm that actually gives an agreement that says we will protect your information. Why don't they get that from an accountant or anybody else that they're putting a document that says we are pledging a contract to protect your information. So when we do that, you know how conscious we are 
I mean, literally, we don't have the. Yeah, it's a, it's risk, a huge risk, right? But guess we, we but have guess the gall to do it. Do? When the cleaners come, every door is locked. They clean the general areas and have access. Each one of my team members are responsible for cleaning their own office because I don't want anyone have access to any file, any paperwork, anywhere. It's obsessive. And when they first get in there, I go, I got to clean my own office. Well, yeah, because I'm not going to take the risk <laughs> of even a cleaner seeing information they shouldn't see. And um, we've never brought that up for it. I don't know if Greg even knows how <laughs> how important that is to protect and eliminate any. So we, right. obviously the buildings, um, cameras, we got stuff everywhere and every kind of, we, we have dual backups everywhere. So your, your question is, we try to have the latest technology, the latest software, and people that are very, very competent in running those could not do it without that. Right. I, I hear it's the head and it's the heart. You have the technology, you have the process, you have the communication, right? The discipline to stay in contact with Reynolds Wealth Management on the daily Right. It's and you have the heart, you have the team, you have the culture like minded. I know, you know, from my experience, the onboarding process at WMA, the interviewing process, uh, they want to not only hire the most competent people, but the right people with the right mindset, which means it's a lot harder to find those people, quite frankly. It's it's a longer hiring process. But that's what I know WMA does. And that that creates what I want to get into without, you know, getting into total specifics. What has been the impact on clients by having that team, that process, and that relationship with 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 Reynolds? What, why why is this just this better? Why is this model better for our clients? Well, I don't think there's a person on this earth that hasn't had the frustration of no matter what problem they have. Nobody wants to help them. In other words, if there's a problem uh, with their finances, well, the CPO is not my fault. I didn't know. The wealth management guy said, well, we, we don't do taxes. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter where we're going. We're saying we are responsible. We are here to help you. And you don't have to play the game. Everybody passing the buck. I don't have any idea what that's worth, but that's what I want as a person. I don't want, I, I, I just had a, a Ford truck that I needed a software update. The dealer and the factory were passing the bucks. Not our fault. It's not our fault. You know, I never want a client. I want them to call and get a real person to talk to and a real person that will tell them, I will take care of this. Have somebody contact you within 24 hours. In this day and age, Justin, what is that worth? It's unheard, it's unheard of. It's unheard of. Even Pizza Hut, you're calling, you know, and it goes yep. to a call center. So, Greg, a lot of advisors talk about the upside, right? Upside, upside, upside. This is how much money will turn into more money. And I'm, I'm sure we've had, you know, without getting specific numbers, we've had greater returns, greater impact. But I actually want to talk about how we've managed in general through this current market, right? So last week. Uh, or a couple of weeks ago, actually, were the elections, right? And again, this is not left or right, but 
Elections tend to have some sort of impact on the market. We've had inflation at eight plus percent. Uh, there's a lot of volatility. How do we uh, march on and, and work on behalf of our clients in this environment? Well, I, I think, again, due to somewhat our, our somewhat unique structure, uh, I, I have probably a lot more flexibility and freedom in terms of approaching capital management strategies in volatile markets than the average financial advisor might. Uh, the average advisor probably is, again, trying to manage risk by using some combination of a portfolio, as we discussed earlier, of stocks, of bonds, cash, some alternatives maybe a little gold or silver, something along those lines. But in general, they're staying in those lanes, right? And so what happens is markets become extraordinarily volatile. In a year like this, which is somewhat unusual, we have stocks down, we have bonds down, right? Normally, if stocks are up, bonds are down. If bonds are down, stocks are up. There's generally some inverse relationship there. And that's why advisors sell this bill of goods about, you know, this balanced portfolio and being able to protect assets. But the reality is this is a year where both stocks and bonds are down, right? Oh, by the way, gold's down, silver's down, right? Crypto's uh, down too. Down, crypto's down, everything's <laughs> down, right? Uh, unless you had a swimming pool full of oil in your backyard that you could sell right now, you probably are down this year, right? Um, but that's our opportunity. That's where the money's made. Bear markets are when people get rich. And the reality is, is that due to the way we approach the planning, due to the fact that Denny's side houses, uh, in, in many cases, the bulk of the assets on the safe side, protected, hasn't lost any money, right? Now, that gives us the flexibility to go seize the opportunities that this market volatility is presenting itself, right? If you, most investors get six or seven shots at markets like this in their entire investing career, right? Best companies in the world down 30, 40, 50%, some down 70 or 80. Uh, but that's the kind of market volatility we've seen this year. And what that does for most advisors and most clients is it creates paralysis. We're losing money everywhere. We don't know what to do. We don't have a plan for this. And emotions start taking control Clients start dominating those conversations with negative feedback and negative emotions and advisors continue to make uh, bad decisions. And that just gets reinforced in the process over and over and over again. We don't have those conversations, right? We've got safe money. We've got money that's protected. We've got money that didn't lose anything. We can pull from that money and take that and redeploy it into opportunities of price dislocation that exist in the marketplace today that rarely ever exist. And we can use that capital to buy the best businesses on the planet and we can do it down 20, 30, 40, 50%. And we can make a lot of money when market conditions eventually improve. And it's a completely different approach, right? We're not, we're not running from these bear markets. We're not running from this market volatility. We're welcoming them. This is, this is the opportunity that changes people's lives. Not only do we not lose you as much as the markets have gone down, but we have a plan to not just grow your wealth, but to potentially exponentially grow your wealth. And the only way to do that is to buy the best businesses in the planet when they're on sale. And if you can't invest in the best companies 
when they're down 30, 40, 50%, then you should probably not have any market exposure at all. <laughs> and that's okay, right? Some people yeah, right. are just wired that way. And we have, right. we, we certainly have clients, right, Denny, that, that, uh, that have no market exposure and that's okay. But when you're asking Justin about the market side of that question, right? How do you use these opportunities to your advantage? That's when our plan shines. It's, it's extraordinarily, uh, it's, it's just, it's amazing how well it really, really and, does. And Justin, one of the ways that Greg so impressed me early on, I just had one simple request. Greg, I need someone to manage the market exposure. And I only have one big request. My clients are only selling when everybody's buying and only buying when everybody's selling. That's all you have to do, Greg. <laughs> and he's done. <laughs> right. right. I, <laughs> well, and it, it's, it's so interesting because you hear a lot of people say, well, obviously you got to buy low and sell high. But it's so much harder when you're in the moment, right? The emotions take over. And Greg, you touched on it. Like, you're losing money everywhere. My portfolio is down. My, my qualified money, everything's down. And you're saying, I need to have, you know, a plan. Now, those, and, and, and so it's interesting. Your plan and the process that we have collectively, in a way, takes the emotion out. And actually, it, you flip the mindset and say, this is the, this is the time. This is the time. Facebook. Meta, you know, Google, I'm not going to give specific, these big companies, these tech companies, these blue chip companies, they will never be this cheap. They will never be on sale. I mean, maybe again, but this is the moment. Yeah, there, there's a lot of opportunity out there. But again, the, the lack of a plan, right, creates paralysis for most folks. They don't know what to do. And as you said, everything appears to be going wrong and they fail to see and recognize the opportunity, number one. Number two, without a plan, nobody knows how they're going to fund these purchases. What They feel like they're selling something that's down to buy something else that's down, right? That's the conventional wisdom out there. Well, we're going to trade out of the stuff that we just lost a bunch of money on, and we're going to go buy something else that's already also lost a bunch of money this year. And it leaves a bad taste in clients' mouths. They don't understand that. We're not advocating that. That is not our approach. We aren't selling stuff to buy something else. We've built a plan that has capital and cash flow from day one. We built a plan that has reserves built in. We've built a plan that has sources of funding that haven't lost a dime that when we're ready, we can use that capital to go acquire some of the best businesses on the planet when they're on sale. And, and that's the whole objective here. That um, doesn't mean we don't have clients that are invested that are down. Of course we do. Everybody does. But we have a plan. We know what we're doing. We know how we're going to you know, recover and grow and how we're going to maximize wealth and use this market downturn to our advantage because that's truly what it is. It's an opportunity if you approach it correctly. So one of the things right. Greg has mentioned several times, and I don't know if it came through, Justin, is how is our planning able to react to those needs for cash at the right time no one else's is? There's a huge reasoning. The average broker is concerned about a 10% liquidity factor. We bailed in 30. 
And with a 30% liquidity factor that comes usually right out of our preliminary investment strategy, allows us room to maneuver and not be caught up that we are creating unable to respond to these types of things. So, and Greg said it, we have the ability to pull from another area that hasn't lost to enhance buying phenomenal opportunities. It's not existing anywhere else in any other broker because they are got everything invested and they're just trying to explain on how this, well, everybody's lost, so you shouldn't be too upset. I can't believe the amount of times clients have told me, well, their broker says, well, everybody lost. You know, I, there's nothing I can do different. There is a different strategy. We've been doing it for 20 plus years. And, and 20 plus years through 2008, through COVID, through all these different yep. moments, we, right? We all got dot-com bubble burst, right? So this isn't an untested. And we have hundreds, if not thousands of clients in multiple states that are not experiencing this fear where all their 35%, what I said, the average 401k is 35%. And if you're close to retirement, it's devastating. We're not having that. So anyway, it's exciting. So I want to, I want to close, close on this. So obviously the number one thing, listeners could do is work with the Reynolds and wealth management accounting. That's, it's a no brainer. You'll get the full process. You'll get that customized plan, the all inclusive wealth management. You'll get, you won't have the paralysis, right? You'll have clarity and confidence that your money is working for you, whether you're up or down or left or right, doesn't matter. You have a team that is, uh, for you. Um, so that's advice number one. But if if I'm listening to this or watching this, um, what would be what would what are some questions I should ask my either current advisor or myself about my maybe market exposure or, or, or planning right now? What what's one thing someone can do today to start going in the right direction besides hiring us? The number one question nobody can answer. What's your current plan? We have a new client come in. I always want to identify by what. But Denny, that seems too simple. Like that's like, what is, why is it so simple? It's mind blowing. And then I'll have somebody go, well, I have a plan. It's 150 pages. Did you read it? I have no clue what's in that 150 pages. (laughs) So if they have a plan, they don't understand it. And then if they don't understand it, how can they be working it? The second thing that is, so shocking is asking a client, do you know what your five-year average rate of return has been? In other words, whatever your net worth is, have you been able to measure its growth? No one has ever answered that question. Yeah, I'd love to. I've asked, but nobody will give it to me. We work on growing their net worth. There's a lot more important than any little piece, the ultimate goal has to show an increase for the client for them to t- reach their goal. So no plan and no, and what we're talking about here is no ability to measure their progress. So if you're out there, you're just looking, I, I mean, I've said this to people, you'd have a better luck at the casino than what I've seen your history be. Because <laughs> you would have had a little fun maybe, but right now you're not having any fun. All I see is massive, you know, you just, you just keep 
going on the up market and giving it back and then starting over. Greg, if there's one question or one action someone should do besides hiring you, what would that be? Well, I think it's really similar to what Denny just said, actually, but I, I would just phrase it probably a little differently right now, given the environment we're in. And it's just very specifically, what is your recovery plan, right? What is your plan to get back to even and then grow? And from there, and, and it's really quite simple, but people don't understand the math of it, right? They, they, they look at a portfolio down 50% and don't realize that that takes 100% return to get you back to even, right? People understand the concept that they don't wanna lose money, but they don't understand how those negative returns actually impact the ability for that portfolio to grow, not just it, future growth, but just getting back to where you started. So I think it's really specific in this environment. It's been a really tough year in markets across the board. What is your recovery plan? How are you going to get back to where you started and grow from there? Um, and it's quite simple, right? I mean, it's a lot easier to save a dollar than to make a dollar. So if you can if you can reduce your tax liability, if you can reduce your fees and expenses, if you can do those things, right? That goes a long way, but you still need to have a real plan. And, and that plan needs to be a plan of recovery. How do you get back to where you were and then grow from there? And most people have no idea uh, what they're going to do and they can't articulate it. And, and quite frankly, they probably haven't even really thought about it in those terms. Hmm. I, and I love, Greg, you, you mentioned things that other advisors aren't mentioning on the tax side on the you, you you're you weren't just hyper focused on maybe the market exposure side and that's the power of this collaboration that's the power of this working with the wma team working with the reynolds team and yeah it, it's just a fantastic uh, collaboration uh, greg denny thank you so much uh, there's so much more we need to get into we will in future podcasts as we address this market as we address uh, tax season coming up. Uh, but Greg Reynolds, uh, President and Senior Financial Advisor at Reynolds Wealth Management. If you want to learn more about Reynolds Wealth Management, ReynoldsWealthManagement.com. Contact Greg, contact his team. They are fantastic. And for WealthManagementAccounting.com, uh, Wealth Management Accounting, their website is WMAteam.com. Uh, and, and you'll see that on screen. Uh, like, subscribe, uh, listen to this podcast, Wherever you, you listen to podcasts, uh, here we're bringing wealth management that is unfiltered. We're bringing you the truth. Uh, today we talked a little bit about popular media and how it's easy to be swayed by that. And today you got hard truth and clear action steps to move forward. So thanks again for joining us. This is the Wealth Management Unfiltered Podcast. We'll see you next week.